and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice, or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a thing, and as it's February, I'm doing Fierce Females, which is my look at Wonder Woman, Charles Angels, and tonight's movie, Tomb Raider 2018. The reboot movie based off the reboot of the video, fr- video game franchise. This is based off the Hard As Balls 2013 reboot. Uh, Rise of Tomb Raider, I think it was called, or Shadow Tomb Raider, whatever the fuck it was called. Tomb Raider, anyway. <clears throat> it's pretty much a shot for shot, uh, fucking scene for scene, and some scenes, I mean, for God's sake. <clears throat> this also has nothing to do with the two Angela Jolie movies, archives. which, by the way, were thought as flops, even though they made a fucking profit. Moving on. So, can this movie hold up to the gritty No Mercy video game? I find out here. And with its $94 million budget, this thing pulled in 274.6. So, look for hidden loot. I dodged the booby traps and kill anything that fucking moves. Here it is, Tomb Raider 2018. Starring Alicia Vikander, Dominic West, Walter Goggins, Daniel Wu, Kristen Scott Thomas and Sir Derek Jacobi. Directed by Roar Yota. I think I suppose his name, if not, apologies. At the plot, Laura Croft, a fiercely independent daughter of a rich adventurer, Lord Richard Croft, who is lost seven years ago, has to return to the island where her father went missing to discover why, also to stop a disease from leaving. Can she do so? Or is this going to be a doomed reboot? After a full minute of logos, the movie opens up on a voiceover from Richard Croft, played by Dominic West of The Wire. As the camera pans over his notes on Himiko, a Chinese witch empress from 5,000 years ago, that is supposed to have power over death and indeed the elements itself, including weather control and other supernatural type powers. Seems he's a rich business tycoon who needs to dig up this 5,000 year old mummy for reasons. To do this, he must abandon his only daughter, Lara. Cut to a snapshot of said little girl Lara, played by Maisie de Freites. Freites? What's his fucking name? In her hand is a small wooden puzzle box. Careful enough, you don't want to be some hell-raising activities there. And this is said to be 2009. Cut to 2018, as Lara Croft, played by Alicia Vicantia, I can't fucking see her bloody name, of Ex Machina fame is getting her ass handed to her by her female MMA sparring partner. As her trainer barks orders at her, he is Terry, played by Duncan Idley James. He's a seven time Thai kickboxing champion, the first person in Scotland to do so, I believe. So there we have it. As her best friend Sophie, played by Hannah John Kamen of Ant Man and the Wolf Wasp theme, shouts encouragement. Unfortunately, her MMA trainer partner, Rose, played by Annabelle Wood, who is a stunt woman for movies such as Wonder Woman, Skyfall and Jason Bourne, makes her tap out by sticking her in a slipper hold and chokes her the fuck right out. So now he pissed off Lara, Angler gets dressed and heads off to her job as a bike courier in London. She heads to an Indian restaurant to pick up some delivery and hits on the owner's son, who is too shy to ask her out, because this is a poor wee guy here. See, ladies, this is what happens when you use the hammer of feminist power, is making good guys so much of a fucking nervous wreck, they have no idea what the hell to do. Maybe ease off a little bit on his feminist power and you might actually get a date. Off Laura bikes into a group of asshole douchebag, fucking alpha male 
douchebag couriers who want to use Laura as a fox in a fox hunt. And they give her a five-second head start, because that's lovely of them, isn't it? A bunch of ass wipes. See, ladies, it's dickwads like these you should be fighting off. Not the nice guys, I just want to hold open the door for you. No, girls, do you love a bad boy, don't you? I mean, mm, this is why you think the male gaze is everywhere, and the body patriarchy, uh, what the hell I pronounce that fucking word, is going to take you down every step of the way, because you're letting assholes like these run the fucking world. How about you say no to these, not pandering to these dickwads, and the world might get a lot better and better, for crying out loud. Anyway... They've pissed off the feminists. Laura agrees to do this for a one-off payment of £600. Hello, love. Aren't you a multi-millionaires? I know you want to prove you're fierce independent woman, but surely you have a trust fund to pay for these little bills? I mean, come on, love, really. So, with a can of yellow paint stuck to the back of her bike, uh, which has a small hole in it as it drips over a little place, she rides off with 30-plus all-male just crowd chasing after her. So there's not one girl in the office wants to play this stupid little game then. Okay. This highly dangerous game starts as Laura zooms through London traffic, almost causing fucking two car crashes. Crying out loud. With all the men chasing after her, hello love, it's 600 quid, not worth risking life or fucking well limb. Laura cheats by hitching a ride on the back of a truck. Once off the truck, she's spotted by a male biker and quickly loses him as he falls over the fucking park bench because he's a tool nugget. And, uh, however, uh, she gets distracted by some guy on the streets next to her father and this causes a flashback to little girl Laura being given the puzzle box by her father. This causes her to crash into the back of a police car and she's quickly arrested with paint splattered everywhere. She is then bailed out by <coughs> villain of the movie. Anna Miller, played by Christian Scott Thomas of Mission Possible 1, English Patient, Gosford Park, and Only God Forgives. She's playing her boss slash, I don't know, nanny slash mother, whatever. And she's in charge of Croft Holdings, due to her dad being missing for several years. In a police station, Anna points out it has been seven years since her dad went missing, five years after Tokyo police stopped looking for him, and... Two years after, not one PI will take the cash to look for him anymore. So just move the fuck right on. Returning home. And cue another flashback to little girl Laura. As her dad hands her a piece of jade. It tells her it has magical powers. And this sets up the two finger forehead kiss. Which is very important for later. Next morning, Laura heads to the office to sign the papers. Here she's handed uh, handed the papers by a Mr. Yatty. Played by Sir Jacob Jacoby of Underworld Movies. Check my archives. He pulls out of his briefcase a small wooden puzzle, which he hands to Laura, telling her he was instructed to do so at the event of his father, her father's death. Then why the fuck not do it seven years ago then, you bloody blithering idiot? In this puzzle box is a clue and a key, which Laura easily gets opened, even though she said it's bloody damn near impossible. The clue reads, quote, the first letter of my final destination. With that, Laura leaves office with the papers unsigned and returns to Croft Manor where she finds her father's hidden lab in his crypt which she uses the key on the letter R of Richard and not S for Sir but moving the fuck right on. In this lab she finds dozens of papers scattered all over the place and an old video camera which luckily plays back even though no one has been in here for seven fucking years. How does that one work? 
On the tape, her dad tells her he's found the location of the Chinese witch. Also, he almost went mad after her mother died in 1996. Cute filmmakers right there. Because 96 was when the first Tomb Raider came out. He searched the globe looking for a way to contact the other side, and indeed Supernatural. Hence why he went on and on and on about Himiko. On the tape, he tells her to burn all his research, however, this being an Indiana Jones ripoff, she doesn't do so, in fact, she takes it all with her, because she's a fucking blithering idiot. Lara uh, looks through his research, listening to tape after tape, telling everything about Queen Himiko. So instead of burning all his stuff, she uses it to search for him, because of course she does. Uh, it's cut to a pawn shop, where Laura tries to pawn the small jade pendant and spot Nick Frost as the owner of the pawn shop, who gives her £8,000 for it. Also spot Jim, Jim Winston as his wife slash girlfriend. Cut to Hong Kong. She tried to say to me she went from London to Hong Kong in £8,000. Uh, okay then, that's stretching a bit much, but moving the fuck right on. At a harbour, Laura looks for the ship her dad hired seven years ago. Also, she was mugged, but luckily she gets her bag back in seconds after some ridiculous chasing and wire work that would make Charles Angels blush. Also, she finds the ship in seconds because that's lazy fucking writing. On said ship, she meets Lou Ren, played by Daniel Fu of the Warcraft movie. He agrees to take her to the island after Laura explains everything to him. And now, I know this is a movie and he's a good guy and all, but he does this out of the goodness of his own heart. Alright then. Also, he said his father went missing seven years ago. And this boat is the same boat, the Endurance. How the fuck has the boat sunk? And he's, oh, whatever. Anyway, she slaps down thousands of yen off for a go to get more voiceover by Richard Croft explaining how to open the tomb door using old Chinese prayer stones. He continues, in the tomb they must face the ordeals of Himiko, which include crossing the chasm of souls, pray to survive the faces of Himiko, behold her army of handmaidens, and descend upon her final resting place to unleash her full powers. Even more voiceover, this time talking about the secret Order of Trinity, a militant organisation hell-bent on destroying the world, aren't they all? The very night, Laura and Lou bond a storm hit, smashing the boat into the rocks and sinking it. Handy that. Not before, however, Laura has a dream of her teenage self, played by Emily Carey, being taught how to use a bone arrow, which is important for later. Just like in a video game, which is fucking harder than the hardest balls of all balls in the world, because this thing is total unforgiving, the island uses its magic powers and causes the boat to sink. It breaks apart as Laura Berry gets off it alive, one of the many, many, many times she did if she wasn't indeed the main character. Laura, with her handy-dandy backpack filled with her father's papers, is captured by the big bad of this movie. Luckily, in this, she isn't stored upside down after a candle has lit her fucking alight, and she isn't forced to land on a rusty spike which goes through her bloody well side. I mean, that opening of that video game, for fuck's sake, what the hell were they thinking? After melodramatically leaping into the sea, Laura makes it ashore easily, bearing in mind there's a fucking raging storm and there's rocks absolutely everywhere, but she makes it through, perfect. Oh, it's worked out cold by the butt of some gun by the bad guy, Matthias 
a Vogel, played by Walter Goggins of Predators, Dango Unchained and Justified. Laura wakes up in his tent, all bandaged up. Nice one to do so. Here he explains there's no way off the island. Also, he's been here alone, even though he has fucking a uh, hundred henchmen and hundreds of bloody slaves. But never mind, he's been alone there for several years. Why I can't off the island? Who cares? Although, towards the end of the movie, the helicopter shot takes off the island. Bad writing, much? I know in the video game, this witch has power over the elements and they can't take off and blah 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 blah. But come on, really? Anyway, he goes on to explain he and Richard were sent to Ireland to search for Himiko. Also, he killed her father seven years earlier. So, there we have it. Apparently, he also killed Wu's father, or Lou, whatever his name is, father, so there we have that one also. Now, she walks to be caught and tied up and forced into slave labour, along with dozens of more men. Luckily, Wu is in the crowd who helps her escape. Oh, and I should say, every single crate on this island has a company logo for Panta which is a spiked triangle, which is important for very, very later. Well, looking in Richard's notebook, Avogo finds the gateway marker to the tomb. Wait, he's been on this island for seven fucking years, and he hasn't explored the other side of the island. Oh my god, lazy writing. After our camp is set up, Wu helps Laura escape. Luckily, none of these hired guns can shoot for shit, or indeed their guns all jam as she escapes handily. Too bad she runs straight into a dead end. Handily, there's a tree which she can use as a bridge to cross over a waterfall. Unfortunately, she falls into said waterfall into the waters below, which carries her to an old Japanese World War II gunship, which is just in the bloody game. Luckily, however, unlike in the video game, you don't have to fight against the water and dodge tree branches which impale you to death, or indeed the plane rotors which impale you to death as you die hundreds of fucking thousands of times. That's bastard, but well, I did at least. I mean, I'll break control fucking twice. Moving on. And saying that, how did she not cut herself on this rusty death trap of a bloody well plane? The fucking tetanus everywhere. Anyway, on board she feeds a parachute, which is lucky as the plane falls to pieces as her weight makes it crumble because we have for fucking what 70 years or something and it just magically crumbles just that time. She uses this parachute to free fall down the waterfall. However, handily, the World War II parachute is in full working order as she hangs on for dear life as she sails into the tree line. Yet she be dead. Yes, she would be dead. Whether from the fucking fall itself or from fucking tetanus or being speared from the fucking tree branches, she'd be dead. But again, she's main character. Or maybe she's good at quick time events, which I was not. Back down at the beach she goes to see all the boats and ships that were wrecked on the rocks. That night, as a storm rumbles in, Laura is lost in a forest where she has to kill a mercenary. In this barely lit fight, he overpowers her, so she has to fight dirty and rear naked chokes him and drowns him in a puddle of water, killing him dead. Lara then cries over her first kill, showing she's still human and not some superhuman bitch. From the shadows, she sees a shadowy figure, so she gives it chase. This leads her to a hidden cave and her father. Nice twist, didn't see that one coming, did you? He thinks he's seeing ghosts until she does the two-finger forehead kiss thingy, and boom, they're now reconnected. He then stitches up her wounds, as you do, as back to Vogel, as he blows open the gateway to the tomb, he then calls his boss, with a Slatvon, to get him off the island. Next day, Lara wakes up in a cave. She finds her father is showing his beard as the waves crash on the beach. 
the two reconnect. As he asks her what university she went to, she says she didn't go to university because she's a fierce independent woman. He then tells her the reason he can't leave the island is because of Himiko won't let him. She's some powerful sorceress and blah 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 blah. However, there's no supernatural bit in this at all, so what's the point of adding that bit from the bloody video game? He continues, Vogel is on the island to steal her power, and he must stop him from doing so. Lara thinks he's going completely bug that's insane, until he says Vogel can't find the tomb without him or intuitive research, as he is one, right? Wrong! Your idiot daughter took your notes with you, and Vogel has them, and indeed is now at the fucking tomb entrance. He rightfully snaps at her, after she flippantly says, So what? Vogel has now the power to get into the blah blah blah, what the fuck, I'll get on with thing. This movie's too fucking long! Until he explains why Vogel is on the island, and just who Himiko was. Seems she had an illness where one touch and you'll die in seconds. After a quick debate on what to do, Laura heads back to base camp to get Vogel's sat phone. Now I'm for bow and arrow, Laura then heads to the camp. As in the camp, Vogel is pissed he can't get the tomb opened. So Laura sneaks around and is caught after taking down one solo guard and helping Wu escape. Laura runs for the sat phone but sees her dad at the tomb entrance and runs to save him. Vogel snuck behind him and holds him at gunpoint, forcing him to open the door. In seconds, however, Laura gets the door opened. Some fucking safe this is. I mean, she flips a few wheels twice and it opens for her instantly. So down they go, Laura, her dad, Vogel and some mercs. With less than 40 minutes left, we finally have tomb raiding. This is a two-hour fucking movie, so an hour and ten minutes of useless padding. And this place is heavily booby-trapped, as one merc finds out by stepping on a stone, which sends a spike up his ass and he dies instantly. On to the first trial, the Chasm of Souls, which is a huge hole on the floor with thousands of dead soldiers lying at the bottom of it. So they throw over a ladder and cross it with bloody well ease. That's a pointless trial there. Trial 2. Pray to survive the faces of Himiko. Some idiot merc steps on a stone, which seals the room and starts the floor from falling in. And here, Laura can see light coming through a keyhole, so leaps over where her dad uses the prayer wheels to get access to keys, which are all colour-coordinated. Handily, they find the right combination in seconds, even though almost all the floor has fallen in. Again, she must be great at quick time events. Trial 3. The Army of a Thousand Handmaidens, which is a room floor to ceiling with 1,000 long dead bodies stacked up. Nothing to worry about then. Walking past the skeletons, Vogel reaches the tomb of Himiko, the long dead sorceress in her coffin. It's spring loaded to think she's actually magically still alive, but she's not. Upon opening the coffin, the air causes the body to quickly decompose. Laura pieces it all together that Himiko wasn't an evil witch at all. She indeed sacrificed herself to save mankind, as she was a carrier of this disease. And it was the evil white man that said she was an evil empress and an evil witch and yada yada yada. And the bullshit stuff was all made up because she was a hero whatever. One touch and a merc is instantly killed painfully as a CGI disease kills him instantly and turns another one to a zombie, but of course he's a zombie. Not to worry, however, two or three shots later as Vogel puts them down. He then carefully sips off a Himiko's finger and walks off. 
Laying on the ground, Laura finds her iconic weapon, the climbing pickaxe thingy, and takes out the last mercenary. Vogel holds Richard down with gunfire as Laura runs to hide in a room of a thousand handmaidens. Richard is then infected due to a zombie merc. So Vogel runs for it. Lara deals with the last remaining merc by quick timing over a trap. Too bad he sucks at it and he's nailed to the fucking well floor. Laura turns to her dad who dies in front of her in some terrible CGI. Not before planting bombs which blows up the tomb. So she runs to stop Vogel who has been shot in the stomach. But he still has enough strength to kick her ass with relative ease. Even though she's armed with her magic fucking pickaxe. They have a ridiculous fight on top of the unstable ladder. The fighting continues as they flip off the ladder. Laura puts on tons of enemy moves, but Vogel, being a bit tough man, can throw her around with relative ease. Finally, she kicks the ladder down, the huge gap that is, grabs her magic pickaxe and jumps across, which she bullshitly makes it as the floor is crumbling underneath her. Richard blows the tomb, Laura runs to the exit and somehow makes up in a matter of seconds and oh shit I forgot she sticks the finger of Himiko in Vogel's mouth and kicks him down the hole to die painfully also if I got how much bullshit this magic fucking climbing axe actually has she can single-handedly climb out of everything and anything and survive huge falls with this magic little fucking shitty little axe waiting outside is Lou a copter comes off to go off the island as back in London Weeks later, Laura signs the papers and is now a wealthy woman. Anna then leaves with a smile on her face as Laura looks at the many, many companies she then owns and she recognises one of them. Laura turns to Croft Manor to piece this all together. It seems, wait for it, the Order of Trinity is Panta! As credits roll. On to a mid-credits scene of Laura buying her two twin guns from the pawn. Do we sell guns in pawn shops in Britain? No! So, that was Tomb Raider 2018, a paint-by-numbers boring action fic based on a Tomb Raider 2013. Piss poor CGI. I counted no less than 10 ways Laura should be dead, but of course she doesn't because she's the main character. Alicia is good as Laura, but that's about it. Boring and far, far too many flashbacks slash voiceovers. This thing is padded more than her fucking fake bra. Overall, I'm going to give this thing a very piss-poor 5 out of 10. Still, we'll come back next week as I wrap things up with Wonder Woman. March is not so marvellous March, which is my look at bad Marvel movies, including Daredevil. April is WrestleMania, which is my look at movies with wrestlers in them. So forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. And email me with suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Uh, check out my other franchise podcasts such as Resident Evil, House, Hellraiser, Halloween, Batman and more. Also my solo podcasts including Street Fighter, Dracula, Blade, The Fog and many more. Now check out my second podcast, the Schlocky Horror Podcast Show only on Anchor. Where every two weeks myself and my co-host look at all things B to Z. The very best of the very bad. Hey bye and remember I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now, did I continue? Hell no!